Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello and welcome to Absolute Rally episode 9, season 21. You may have seen on Twitter before we started recording this, we were going to have everybody present. If if you're at the point now where you've realised that I try to make any kind of witty remark about my co-host, if you're wondering what episode it gets to before I get bored of trying to think of things, welcome to episode nine. Um, so I'm going to just do it in, in kind of, I feel like a school teacher today, to be honest with you, because of the, the, the array of people that I've got here. More like, more like a headmaster, but a headmaster with a supply teacher sitting in for them. Probably the best way of describing it. So I'm going to do present and correct. So Ryan Champion, present. I'm all present and definitely correct. You're always correct. Uh, Trevor Goodnew. Yeah, got the name wrong though. So, sorry, sorry, Trev. It's okay. All right. Jack, are you there? I'm here. See, see how my confidence was shot even after the second one. Do you see what happened? Uh, and last but not least, um, John Desborough. Are you there, John? Yes, I'm here, sir. But Trevor Agnew flicked me on the back of my head with a ruler, sir. Okay, okay. <laughs> Trevor Agnew. Yeah, stand down. I'm definitely here. Okay, that's go all right. Go to the bottom then. of the class. Yeah, go to the, the bottom of the class. And sharpen we'll the pencils. Everybody. And sharpen the pencils. Um, a couple of things. Um, the uh, keel the quiz. Um, so cue the Wheel of Fortune music at this point. Uh, the Wheel of Misfortune so far, I'm still getting them incorrect with all the, with all the answers coming in. Uh, it is without doubt the most popular thing I think we've ever done. I think we're up to about 45 entries on it so far, and I haven't even looked to see whether they're all correct or not yet. So please, please, please keep sending them in. Um, I think Ryan's got the correct answers, um, just about. Uh, Jack still hasn't sent his in Trevor hasn't sent his in and, and John John's come late to the party he still hasn't sent his in so the Wheel of Misfortune or the Wheel of Fortune Keel the Quiz have a look check it out send the answers into studio at absoluterally.co.uk um, anyway so um, as it's, it's everybody's here I thought it'd be a, quite a good talking shop so to speak we did debate this last week so I'm going to start with you John um, uh, obviously Loeb now has uh, stepped down from his high and duties gone over to to, to, to to Dakar type events. Do you think we'll ever see him in WRC again, John? Yes, but amusing that he's signed for a pro drive team because they were, <laughs> Finally, they were after him. Finally, they were after him eighteen years ago. Uh, I know the story about it, and it's a fantastic story. George Donaldson is responsible for almost signing Sebastian Loeb to um, Subaru, but now they've got their hands on him. Yes, I think he will. The um, the Dakar. Which isn't even in South America this time, is it? I mean, it's not in Dakar, it's not in South America, it's in Saudi Arabia. The Dakar will just be a, it'll be a little interval during which he will be reminded that his heart really lies with the World Rally Championship and he will be available and there will come a time where somebody will want him. So, yes, it's not over. They said that to Frank Sinatra, didn't they? Uh, and he was back many times. <laughs> Trev, you were probably knocking around Pro Drive as well at that point. Obviously, I think it was. One of those stories where uh, I think it was a, a massive offer that was made. And I think in the end, it turned into the fact that they just made a massive offer just to eat into Citroen's budgets of memory serves me right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mr. Desper's got the, the inside gen on it, though, clearly. So he's the man. We need to investigate a bit more and find out the juicy details. Or maybe he's saving it for a book going forward. <laughs> 
<laughs> chapter four. Chapter... Up, Trevor. <laughs> I'm going to go slightly more serious because we know Jack Benny is a massive fan, and we did speak about it last week. Jack, you 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 were quite strong in your opinions, and I, I, to be fair, I'm probably siding towards your good self on this with regards to maybe not restricting opportunities now for younger drivers and 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 keeping those seats available for those drivers coming through. Would you feel a lot more comfortable if we just seen him in the 306 Maxi on the French Tarmac Championship then? Yeah, I think I called for that a few weeks ago. I think I'd I'd love it if he just decided to uh just roll out the uh the Maxi and do a few events in that and yeah, that'd be that'd be fantastic, but it's going to be it's very interesting to see how he gets on at Dakar. I mean, he's still not really sort of cracked that equation yet, and I think that'll be eating away at him, you know. He's been so dominant in in everything he's done for so many years now that I think he'll want to try and get that Dakar win under his belt to say that he's done it. So, um, you know, I think that's a a big cause of his focus and, you know, like I said it'll be that'll be eating away at him a bit, I think. Um, knowing how competitive he is so yeah I think it's I, I don't think we'll see him in the WRC um, in, in 2021 but obviously trying to predict what's going to happen uh, next year and the year after is uh, particularly difficult when it comes to uh, manufacturers and all the stuff that's going on so it's going to be interesting to see what happens but yeah I think you know we're, we're edging towards new technology in the WRC and we've got quite a few uh, you know younger drivers on the sidelines now not able to compete you know, pretty much because the the seats are all taken. So, you know, as much as I want to see Seb out there, I think he's had his time. I think he's shown that he can be competitive. I don't think he was as competitive when he came back this season. And I think it's time for a fresh challenge for him and a fresh challenge for someone else to to get a seat in the WRC. Right. Is this a case of a driver like, you know, a nine times world champion goes without saying, but is this a case of um, somebody wanting to have a complete CV? Almost, you know, that kind of that box ticking exercise that, you know, obviously the WRC is more than tick the box. Obviously, we know he went um, touring cars as well. Of course, he went rally cross. Is this a case of, of, of trying to become that complete driver? You know, your legacy being a complete driver? I'm not sure Sebastian Loeb's really that driven by, you know, by ticking boxes. Um, he he he's done other things because he wanted to do them as simple as that you know we've we've heard like the, the likes of Fernando Alonso saying he wants to win this triple crown and he wants to do this and he does that whereas I think Loeb it's just out of an interest in driving that car in, in that situation and as Jack has already said he's he's already been to Dakar he knows what it's about he didn't achieve probably what he expected and or what he hoped and I think yeah I think this is a, another chance for him to to succeed at something he's clearly He's clearly had a good insight into, and he probably just wants to uh, wants to go a little bit better. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be next year, honestly. I mean, obviously, this is a new pro drive for uh, sorry, a new program for pro drive. Um, the car's only just started testing, I think, this week, and obviously, Dakar's not that far away. So, big undertaking for uh, for pro drive over the coming weeks to develop that car properly. Uh, for Saudi Arabia in the new year, um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll see Loeb there for a couple of years and and uh, and try and get that victory. That's obviously why he did Dakar in the first place. Trev, if if I can ask you, it's not necessarily a, an apples for apples comparison going from you know a rally seat into a Dakar seat for a co-driver because because we we always forget about you know I'm, I'm, Daniel Elaine is going to be part of this as well, and it's not uh, it's not necessarily a straight swap, is it? You know, like for like. No, it's completely different. I had a great conversation with Michael Orr recently, who was telling me all about the ins and outs of Dakar, and uh, it's completely different, and it's unusual uh, for rally people to go and take their, their normal rally co-driver with them. They usually take a, 
uh, a raid specialist with them in the initial stages. Some were exceptional, and clearly Daniel and and Seb have got the relationship where they want to work together and learn together. So that's probably part of the fun for both of those guys to do it. Um, yeah, so it, it is completely different. Uh, madly exciting as well. You know, you look at the average speeds, and uh, it's just ridiculous. The amount of time that you're in the car each day, uh, not, it was never for me. It's not something I ever got excited about. Uh, I never really relished the thought of being pushed out into the desert uh, in a fuel tank and seeing how you get on. <laughs> That's basically it. Didn't appeal to me back then. Still doesn't really. So, uh, yeah. Just briefly, Trev, before we move on, is the, you know, obviously the, the, the level that you co-drove at, you co-drove for, 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 for several very talented drivers, which we, you know, joking aside, we spoke about this, but um, the relationship, between Daniel Elena and 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 Seb Lowe. Uh, there's not there's not many in the in the in the sands of time we can look back on is there where we could say genuinely that have lasted you know that it's uh, like a good marriage <laughs> they don't normally last that long do they not to continually compete with each other Yari Matty and Mika had a good relationship as well Mika Antula uh, yeah they hunt and deck of rallying aren't they really <laughs> And I think it'd be good to actually get Dak in the 306 and drive. So I reckon Elena driving the 306 Maxi would be mighty fun, especially all the social media and the Instagram shots of the attack. He's great fun. He's great fun. Which brings me to some thoughts I had, uh, and I'll come to you first on this, John. Um, in the years, obviously, you've covered it, and obviously the crews that you've got to know as well. I was thinking about the, the, the kind of the, the, the best crews. And what I mean is by the best crews, not necessarily the most successful crews, but um, I was listening I was listening to, I'm sure all of us will listen to it at some point, but I was listening to the piece that Scott Martin did with Bex on the WRC yeah. podcast. We are allowed to talk about it. It's all right. We talk about other people's podcasts. We even talk about Trev's. So we're going to talk about Trev's as well a bit later on. But um, it got me thinking that the, as, a, as, a, as a combination, as two people together, Elvin and Scott, with all their background and technical knowledge and their abilities and stuff like that, it's got to be one of the best, because I'd forgot, genuinely, I've known Scott Martin for quite some time, to be honest with you, I'd forgot, obviously, I knew he'd worked at Emerson, but I forgot he was a technician, I forgot he was actually a gearbox technician for them, and then you think about Elvin's expertise, and you think, as a crew, those two together, you know, for, for, for problem solving in a stage, or out of a stage, or on a road section, I've got to be one of the best crews, probably, in the WRC, and maybe even the WRC over the last 10 or 15 years. Yes, I agree. And think of all the other crews where you thought they were good and they were outstanding and good mechanics and actually you saw them in a situation where only the one, maybe the driver and not the co-driver, was doing all the work. And the other one was looking over the shoulder thinking, what on earth is he doing in there? I hope he can fix this fast because I need to get back on the road. Uh, but all of that, all of that experience that they had, I didn't know they'd been a, a gearbox guy at M-Sport either, but, you know, he knows his way around the car. They always say, don't they, in this business, you should know your car. Um, you know, just in case. Uh, and he is perfectly set from that point of view as well, isn't he? When you think of all that experience that is now coming together. And if you look back at um, Turkey and see what's happened to um, Seb Ogier, you know, in situations like that, you could say that um, Scott's a better mechanic co-driver than Julian Ingrassia. He'll fix you the, your problems when you're looking for a solution. Um, and how many points does your co-driver contribute to your uh, championship by saving you in those moments? And um, when we saw, uh, where was it, in Turkey, was it? Or was it in Sardinia where um, in the M-Sport days, Elvin was leaning over Seb's shoulder, telling him what to do with that 
that broken suspension. How many points in a championship are actually gifted to you and helped by other people alongside you? And if you've got a co-driver like Scott Martin, then they're invaluable, aren't they? Because yeah, very much so. I mean, in Turkey, who thought Seb's car was just going to pop the way it did? And there was no one there to save him. And he had the zero point, the newer point everybody said they needed to avoid. Do not leave this island without any points. Whatever you can, get some points. And there he was, penultimate stage, nothing in hand. Uh, so here we go. And, you know, if Elvin gets a problem in um, Sardinia, Scott's the man to fix it. Hopefully, but wasn't yeah. it reported as well, Tony, that that was part of the reason why Seb chose him as a teammate, whether think, it was accurate or not? I, I, I think it was. I think I, I, I think there was there was definitely a handpicking thing that probably went on when when he, when he went to Toyota. But I think for me, more it's just the, the bigger picture. Aside from why he was chosen to be, uh, why Scott Martin and Elvin Evans were chosen to go to Toyota. I'm just talking about in general. Even if they were still with M Sport, as an example, you start to. I don't know. It, to me, I was just looking at. You know, um, you know, we know Elvin's abilities because he grew up through the M Sport um, process in every sense of the word. As did Scott Martin to some degree as well. Of course, you know, um, you know, he, he was part of the M Sport program from a very, very early age. But I was just looking at other crews and their backgrounds and stuff like that, and I was just thinking, you know, between the two of them, they could probably build a car. You know, that is, is, is probably where I'm going with this, um, and and that's kind of what I was thinking about. I was just I'll throw it to Jack for a second, Jack. I don't know. If I, I, I might give the the right answer, or you you might put me straight here, but I can't think of uh, of a crew so well-rounded and with such abilities over the last kind of, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe. No, definitely. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely probably a, a mix of, uh, you know, talent on both sides. And yeah, you'd like to think they'd be able to fix any any problem that kind of cropped up, really. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, Julian and, and Sebastian have been pivotal in sort of designing parts. And, you know, I think there's that sort of well-known story now that when they went to Ford originally, Julian redesigned the toolbox to make it easier to access and stuff like that on a, on a stage. And, you know, stuff like that is why, you know, Sebastian and, and Julian have been champions so many times. But yeah, when it comes to actually repairing stuff and actually, um, you know, coming up with, with fixes, because it was basically like a tie strap job in Turkey, wasn't it? When he helped Doge out and, um, you know, improvising, I think that's the, the best way to describe it. Uh, I think that's something Elvin and, and Scott will both be, uh, you know, very good at. And, you know, uh, we see less mechanical problems these days, at least less mechanical problems that are fixable um, on a stage than, than we probably did 20 or, or 30 years ago. But, yeah, definitely if I was going to put um, a crew in a car that I, I thought was going to uh, do a good job of that, then I think it would definitely be uh, Elvin and Scott for me. It's always struck me as level-headed and organised. That's interesting that he can improvise like that, and yet he can still be an organised character who's fairly level-headed. And in the days when people like me wander around Shakedown and end up at the M Sport place, and you're just looking for a line or a story or something to help you out with the things that you know out there are unknown to you, and you just want somebody to give you a little bit of a steer on this, the kind of the flavour or the direction of the weekend, what people are talking about. Scott was very good at that. Elwin isn't. He doesn't want to get involved, I don't think. He doesn't want to... Ah, he doesn't want to, uh, you know, stand there and pass the time of day and kind of maybe jaw with an old bloke like Mark, like me. But Scott, when approached, you know, help me out on something here. He'll give you a very good answer and he'll make time. And he strikes me as calm and organised and level-headed, which, he, you know, well, he's going he's gonna to need to be this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, 
right, I'll come to you. I think we've, I think, I think we've probably got the right answer, or I got the right answers to begin with, and everybody's just kind of made me feel good and validated. Um, anybody else you can think of, I suppose, over the last set of fifteen years, with with all that knowledge in a car that you'd want to be driving your car? Um, I don't know in terms of knowledge, but just in terms of energy, was there anything to beat Carlos Sainz and Lewis Moyer? <laughs> Has there ever been more energy in a car than those two? Um, okay. Okay. I'm not sure about all round ability, but who cares? Listening to Lewis's, even even other Spanish pace notes have never lived up to Lewis Moyer. And then he got, and then he had Carlos getting passionate and like arguing back, and and the debates going on in the car. It was fantastic, wasn't it? It was it was just just excitement with the pair of them. But um, as, as Jack has already just just mentioned, I think uh, when Sebastian Auger and uh, and Julian Ingrassi went to uh, M Sport, that was one of the things that impressed Malcolm Wilson the most was actually Julian it wasn't so much uh, or of course he was impressed by Sebastian but he was incredibly impressed by Julian's attention to detail and uh, you know I think Julian's co-driven for Sebastian from from the very start of his career so you know they're, they're also a, a very strong pairing um, and, and it, it is important of course it's important that uh, that a driver and co-driver gel very well together. We, we've talked about it many times, the amount of time a driver and co-driver spend together. It's a, a vital ingredient in the success of a, a world rally team. This brings me to, to a lovely story, which I'm sure you'll all appreciate. Of course, there was, and I couldn't help it. I did kind of do it a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Francois Duval um, apparently wants to do Ypres in uh, a Yaris WRC. So do I, as, as it happens. But as you can imagine... <laughs> Many people jumped on board the fact of wondering whether Stefan Prevo will be available to go for him. I'm going to go for a stab in the dark and say that's probably not going to happen. Um, I don't know about you, Trev. Do you see, do you, do you, do you see, do you see Stefan and Francois back together no, again? She's probably committed to Stefan Lefebvre, so I don't think he'd be available. <laughs> Depends whether he listens to the podcast, doesn't it, really? It, well, yeah, it does, but I'm, I'm I'm convinced by now through the the sands of time that have passed since we did it, and it's almost gone into folklore. There's, it's almost like one of those things when people say they were there. If everybody who listens to that particular episode actually listens to that episode, the downloads for that one episode would probably be more than all the others put together because everybody seems to have listened to that particular episode with uh, with, 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 with Stefan Prevo. We do need to get him back on. We really, really do. Um, I did put a bit of a hashtag out, boys, um, and I'm going to kind of pick up on a on a couple of things because it's just they're just quite nice talking points um with regards to um the various things really and i wanted to ask uh, we 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 had something in from a couple of people now it's one event which i've never done i don't think any of us have ever done it so this is quite interesting and it was duncan brownie tweeted us in uh i'll come to you first ryan champion um what would you do with mull rally if absolute rally was in charge um do you know that's that's one rally that doesn't need an awful lot doing um of, of rallies to pick i think mull has done a, a unique thing in that it's always kept its format it's always kept uh, a, you know a, a great challenge running through the night um and it's also always been a rally that that has taken a clubman competitor and, and they've aspired to doing this uh, this amazing challenge. So, uh, quite honestly, I'm I'm not sure there's an awful lot I would do with the tour of Mull or Mull Rally, however you want to call it. Should, 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 should we give you Jack's response? Now? I'm not even going to ask him here because Jack actually tweeted. Jack's response was Recky Monday. 
Tuesday, Thursday rally, after rally, uh, recreation, recuperation, and inebriation, Friday through till Monday. So basically, and then Duncan decided that it was just one, we will just do one, one stage of 22 miles and six days in the pub. That was, that was his response of what he would do with, with, with Mull. Um, but I'm going to come back to a few hashtags a little bit later on. I wanted to talk about, um, coming back to WRC, John touched on it before. Obviously, we've got Sardinia coming up. And obviously, there's been a few things going on in Italy. I think there was an event cancelled there uh, last week, I think it was, um, which was the, uh, what it was, uh, I think it was the historic event um, that was cancelled over there. I'm just trying to find what I was talking about there just for a second. But um, I wanted to just talk about that because it was uh, it was uh, Sam Ramos being cancelled. And of course, you know, whether the ripple effect, you know, I've seen some of the, the the images that were put up with what was going on in Sam Ramos and that, that event has been cancelled. Obviously, so far, touch wood and fingers crossed, there's nothing going on for Sardinia. But um I suppose strategies now will start coming into play, and 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 again, I'll I'll, I'll come to you first, Trevor, and then I'm going to come to Jack second. But um, is there going to be a situation now where do we believe that 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 Tommy will let his drivers fight, or do we think team orders will 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 actually come into play this early because it's an incredibly short season, isn't it? It's not even though it's. Even though we're, you know, we've got two events, it's, it's an incredibly short season and, and Nil Poire, as John put it before, is, is an absolute no-brainer for, for, for anybody. Nobody needs that. Are we going to be in a situation where Tommy will want to protect both the manufacturers and the drivers here? Cause that's, that's, that's what they're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just down to Sebosia, really, at the end of the day. Well, Roven Paris, I suppose, is in, still in the shout. If there are going to be two rallies left and a minimum of two rallies, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. They never have in the past, and what I can see, um, I don't remember any any recently. Anyway, I don't think Ozzy would want to win the title that way. Uh, he's got too much respect for for Elvin when it comes to that. But the big thing for me is going into this round of the weekend. You definitely want to be coming out of Italy in the lead of the championship, and Elvin is an eighteen point lead at the minute. So, will that come into his strategy that he wants to leave? Because we don't know what's going to happen for the next two rounds, whether they're going to run or not. This could be the end of the championship, uh, the way things are, are shaping up in the world at the minute. So, I definitely, if, it was, if I was near the front of it, I'd, I'd be aiming to come out of uh, coming out of Italy with the lead of the championship. So, how that changes strategy, it's going to be really interesting over the weekend and how people go about that because there's so many different permutations, aren't there? Jack, um, uh, do you see it from from a, you know from a, I suppose from a reporting point of view, if you know from a publication point of view, when you're talking to you know a team principal, as it were, um, would you see Tommy as somebody uh, as somebody that would insist on, on 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 putting team orders in? Would you would you see that as uh, as, as an option? Because maybe it's my interpretation but I think it's I think there was definitely times that Tommy was perhaps looked after during his career with team orders where you know definitely he had a proper number two driver as it were how, how do you see it well luckily you don't need to ask me because uh, David Evans has done a fantastic job of covering this on Dirtfish and it was actually going to be one of my any other businesses if we didn't actually get to talk about this because I think this story is absolutely fantastic so the headline of the story is Toyota won't use team orders in Sardinia um, and They've asked, I'll read this out so it's not uh, misconstrued in any way. So it says, asked if he would implement team orders and Evans' gap remain the same ahead of the season finale in Ypres. Mackinnon said, you know, I'm not a big f- in big favour of those things. 
So in the past, Makinen has been against team orders uh, when he's been asked about it. Um, although, like you said, Tony, they have helped him out at times in, in his career. And then two lines down, there's a quote from Makinen, and it says, uh, the most important the mo- it should say the most important thing for us is the manufacturer title. Of course, we cannot risk having cars fighting and then something happens. We have to keep looking. So, <laughs> so it couldn't be any more uh, unclear, really, from that. I don't think of of what we're actually going to see from from what happens. But um, you know, I think no. Yeah, I still think um, you know. I'm not saying this is any insight from the team. No, it's just a personal point of view. But I still think they're going to try and protect, protect Sebastian as much as they can. And um, you know, I think uh, it's, it's, it is going to be a, a really interesting battle. And I think um, I think team order is one of them things where you can ask a team principal before the event what they think and what they're going to do. And quite often it'll change across the rally depending on circumstances. And, you know, we see that so often, you know, it pretty much any time has been a significant, um, you know, team orders debate in the WRC. It's been different pre-event than it has been on the event and things change. And, um, you know, in the heat of the moment, the decisions change. So, um, there's one thing Tommy hasn't got to worry about, and that's being uh, team principal of the team in the future. So uh, we can say that the shackles are off and he can make whatever decision he feels like he wants to. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to get Ryan's opinion uh, when we come back after this break. Hi everyone, this is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a rollercoaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point, by me, John Desborough, on eBay, now for $7.99. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. Ryan Champion, um, I mentioned it before, obviously, with regards to Tommy's um, history, I suppose, both as a driver and now as a team principal. How, how do you read the situation? Um, I, I don't see any team orders anytime soon. I mean, the the championship battle, particularly from a manu- manufacturer situation, is too close with Hyundai. They they need as many Toyotas as they can get at the front of the field. And and how you can't give a team order to go half a second a, a kilometre slower or whatever. It's um, you know it's it's a big battle still. Um, I mean, I'm sure the drivers are, are equal number ones, but but if you wanted to say, well, is Auger the favoured player? Well, you, you know, there is no way Elvin Evans is going to hold back from a potential world championship win uh, to to help Auger. So they're all fighting in the championship. All three of the Toyota drivers can still win the championship, but from a Toyota point of view, they have to beat Hyundai. So no, I think uh, you know, I think the, the gloves are still off at this stage and. As has already been mentioned, we don't know how many more rounds there's going to be in the World Championship, so everybody's going to want to uh, to do the best they can at that part of the given season, and, and particularly Elvin has got all the um, you know all, he's got the pack in his hands, if you like. Um, you know, I don't think there's any issue, hopefully, around Sardinia. The cancellation of San Remo's to to do with bad weather. It was that landslip. We saw some awful pictures of, of Ventimiglia, where we've all been through on the on the San Remo rally. If you've been in that part of the world and um, yeah, very heavy rain, so they had no option but to, to cancel that rally for weather. So, yeah, hopefully, Italy has uh, has no issues running this rally, and uh, and will we see the WRC go back there to uh, Monza a little bit later on in the season? We'll have to see. Uh, John, um, you you've probably had as much interaction, if not more, than all of us put together with Tommy. Um, Tommy is always somebody that reminds me, and I think it's probably Mark James who said it to me that when he used to cover him in his early years in WRC, he had very selective um, English at times 
where perhaps if he didn't quite want to answer the question, um, it, 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 perhaps the English got slightly vague for him. Um, what are you trying to say? Uh, well, I'm paraphrasing ever so slightly before I get sued, but um, I think you know where I'm going with this. Um, uh, do you see Tommy um, actually giving anything away in in the press? And what you know, obviously there was, there was the article there that that, that Jack's made reference to. Um, do you believe any of that? Is this supposed to short question? Yeah, it's a fudge, isn't it? It's a classic pre-event fudge. He doesn't have to commit to anything like that. But I'm sure in the back of his mind he's thinking of it, but he's not going to be forced into making a decision like that until the moment in time when he has to. But you could argue that Elvin deserves the win. Therefore, Seb, at the moment, Elvin is the championship leader. If there is anything, you know, if there is anything to be gained from meddling with team orders, then he may do it in Elvin's favour. It's not going to be Caller. He's too far off the lead. Elvin's got 97 points. Seb's got 79. Uh, you know, if you wanted to really work out the perfect compromise, then you give Seb the rally win if you have the power to do that as a Tommy Mackinnon on a Sunday morning. You give Elvin second place and tell him to go and get the power stage points, and then it's a net loss of two points. Um, he's not going to be around next year, Tommy, to have to uh, cope with, with all of this. Uh, Seb would love... Um, Elvin Evans to win, I'm sure. They're so buddy now they share a private plane. <laughs> uh, it's the magician and, you know, the uh, what are they, sorcerer and the sorcerer's apprentice. Um, how long is it since Britain had a world rally champion? Practically 20 years. What's the marketing value in that for Toyota? Is it as big as the marketing value of Toyota? The Yaris is the world rally championship winning car. All of those things will swirl around in his mind, I would imagine. But, you know, knowing Sardinia, some rock somewhere will do all the hard work for him and he won't have to think of all the what-ifs. Right. And that is the short answer. That is the short answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we've alluded to it a couple of times, Trev, and I think you, you, you mentioned it there, obviously – if there is a uh, potential of, of, of maybe an, a, a round not running, could we end up going to, 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 to Monza? How, how, what's your take on that? Uh, the more people who can get involved, there's a chance you get uh, Rossi involved in the World Rally Championship there, and that would be brilliant, wouldn't it, getting him back in again? Uh, the more people you get in the mirror, you might have a chance to get other select people uh in a rally around a race circuit, effectively. I, d I don't know what Monza Rally looks like. Uh, uh, have you been there, Rand? Do you know what the format is? Is it all track-based, or do they use other other parts? Uh, they use everything. You know, they use the perimeter road, the banking, the you know some of the old track. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a big single venue, <laughs> but right. uh, it's uh, it's obviously very well publicised, um, and you could certainly see other other stars from motorsport, the Rosses of this world, getting involved, which would only be good for for WRC. So I can certainly see it from a from a promotional point of view. Um, and you know, let's face it, these are strange times. So I could I could fully understand if it if it was included. But the whole thing is they don't know before this weekend whether it's going to be included or not. And that's got to be a frustrating thing from, from a team point of view. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to know what's happening, don't they? They want to know how many rallies they've got left, how hard they have to push, how many points are on the table. And, uh, and that, you know, and, and will it be a full point scoring round? Will it be half points? Who knows? So, yeah, for sure. Everybody who's fighting for that championship wants clarity why, and wants clarity. Why would, why, would, why would it be half points, right? Well, if it's only, for argument's sake, if it's only a 100-kilometre rally, is it is it worth the same points as one that's 300 kilometres? 
What's quite interesting about that as well is if, well, we assume an Ypres going ahead, the last day in Spa will be very similar because that's what Spa did. You know, I did the Spa rally and we we did two night stages around uh, Spa Francorchamps, the circuit, and there was a lot of that. But they, they were getting together maybe, I think at the time, it was something like 12, 14 kilometre stages. So uh, it's still quite competitive. So, you know, whatever setup you go with in Spa might work in Monza as well. I think I can add a bit to it, Tony. Um, yeah, come on, please, Jack. I was supposed to bring you in. So the event's happening in December, so it clashes with the Bahrain Formula One round, so we won't see like Kimi Raikkonen or, or Valtteri Bottas. But like the guy said, you know, there's there's the chance for Rossi and you know a few other uh, decent names. But the the organisers have talked about extending the rally out of the actual circuit. So there's some roads around the track that they could use. Uh, Ryan mentioned that they use some of the perimeter roads there and stuff like that. But they could actually go out and um, you know do some stages outside of the the circuit as well in a bid to try and make it a bit more you know WRC worthy. I guess, um, which, you know, anyone who's ever done uh, Monza, I always think of uh, Reese Yates because he's really the only driver I've really spoke to at length about the, the Monza rally. But, you know, he's it's one of his favourite events of the year. And, um, you know, obviously Reese in the past few years has gone off and done pretty much, uh, well, he's done a lot of the WRC calendar and, and various different events uh, across Europe. And um, obviously he comes from a bike background, so he, I think he likes the Rossi element of it. But, um, you know, he always talks about the atmosphere there, um, how many fans they have and, you know, how entertaining the rally is even though it's based on a circuit so um you know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who like the event a lot um uh, and are big fans of it but i just think for me it's got to have that element of going outside of the circuit because it, you know we've talked about this at length and um i'm going off on a bit of a tangent now but we talked about whether this championship was going to count as a full championship in in 2020 and i 100 percent think it should if it, even if it's five or six events i you know i really do believe that it it should count as a world rally championship and you know i think the other guys fa- fairly agreed on that and the fact that um you know we've seen wrc calendars be shortened in the past and you know like um 1995 was eight rounds wasn't it and you know there's uh, you know other evidence of other calendars that have been quite short but for me it's about the it's about the quality of the events so you know i personally i wouldn't mind if we if we called 2020 a world rally championship i think whoever wins it deserves it but if we do a, a single venue rally to finish the season and that's a, a full point point counting event for me that's not that's not good enough so i think for for the sake of the fact that it's the WRC, we can't just have, you know, it's a bit different Ypres doing two days of rallying and then going to Spa for a day. Um, you know, that's after two, two full days of, of rallying on stages. But if Monza's just going to do the the whole event inside the circuit, then for me, that's not um, that's not WRC worthy. And I'd rather have five events than six and, and not have that, to be honest, if that's going to be the case. Okay. I've, I've just found something out about the Monza rally from the last two years, which has shocked me. And, and if you know the answer to this, you know the answer. So, so it's not a fun question. But what do we reckon was the longest stage on last year's Monza rally? <laughs> I'm going to go five k's. <coughs> Four k's. Four and a half k. <laughs> Jack, Jack Benyon, are you laughing because you know the answer? Yeah, I'm not going to go because it's cheating if I say. The answer is 44.83 kilometres. Love it. We want that. That's what we want. Okay. The, the longest stage. It's a little bit mad. What's the, lo- the longest one so far was that one on um, Sunday morning in Turkey, wasn't it? 44K is great. Get it Four, in. Let's 44K is in Monza, and they, they ran a 20K stage as well, and the, to- the event total was 160 kilometres, which is about the same length as most of the championship events this year. Well, well there you go. 
shows that if we do research before we start recording these things, <laughs> perhaps we wouldn't spend five minutes debating them. Well, th- thankfully, we can just look at EWRC more. But of which as far as know, fiction is much better. Anyway, <laughs> research will never catch on. No, 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 it never, it never, ever, ever will. Um, uh, what else was I going to uh, talk to you about? I wanted to, um, uh, I suppose, right before before we move away from this, um, uh, the I don't get. I get why they'll go to Monza. Aside from COVID and everything else, okay, let's that's, 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 that's put that caveat. Let's park the COVID thing. Um, I wish we could. I, yeah, I, I know what you're going to say. I know. I know what you're going to say. Forget about forget about Monza. Go to Mull instead. <laughs> I was actually going to say the Three Sisters racetrack in Wigan. Um, <laughs> I know better. Yeah, uh, which is our four wins out every year. So you won't like it. Were the Three no. Sisters? I bet you can't answer that. Say that again. Who were the three sisters? Who were the three sisters? Well, that's a night out, which is probably best left in the histories of time. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and there you go. It took us 42 minutes to descend. Um, where was I going to go with this? I wanted to um, maybe let's just park the COVID thing. Stay with me for a minute, boys. Park the COVID thing um, and the Monza thing. Are we are we perhaps given an opportunity to do something a bit easier and a bit um, a bit a bit of a promotional tool. Obviously, we talked about Rossi doing it and maybe some other people coming back, coming back and doing it, you know, race drivers, you know, bike ride, whatever it may be. Uh, is Are we missing a trick to be able to do that? Or and I'm going to really go completely and utterly off on one here. Has the ship sailed on us trying to do? cheap promotional things like that of getting other people to, to, to come in. Now, I'm going to go to Trev first because he'll, he'll shoot me down in flames right away, and I know he will. So I'm going to come to Trev first, and then I'll come to the other guys. Trev, do we need to keep trying to do cheap promotional things to try and get people engaged in WRC? don't like cheap. Why would you do anything cheap? That's just stupid. So right, what, you right, could well, do, what you could do in Monza, here's an idea for you, right? End of the power stage, all the cars parked up, anywhere rally cars are left, Get the legends in, the Stigs, the Marco Elaine's, the Carlises, all those boys. Let have them that. have a go on the power stage and see how everybody gets on with that. I'll have that. I'll hi- I, do you know what? I'll virtually high-five you for that one. Um, I, I think Trev's nailed it. John? Uh, well, you've got something similar going on in Sardinia when we get the um, entertaining Laurel and Hardy antics of Mickelson and Solberg on the power stage in Sardinia. That description, by the way, Laurel and Hardy is not mine. That belongs to a certain P. Mills of Viking Motorsport in Mid Wales, who uh, I said to him, what are your notes like? What is Andreas Mickelson in for? Reading Petter Solberg's notes to him. And he said, there is a great deal of info, an awful lot of information. And Petter won't listen to any of it because he would have worn out a TV. He would have worn out a TV or a laptop or whatever. We're learning that stage, that power stage in Sardinia. But he said it'll be a Laurel and Hardy moment. Now, Sound- I personally, I'm looking forward to that in Sardinia. I can't wait to see that moment. You know? it, sounds, it sounds like another fine mess, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does, Aww. doesn't it? And, uh, it, and it'd be great to see. You know, it gets away from, I mean, we don't want that getting in the way of what could be potentially a championship winning drive by any of the drivers, but it does add. We can do that. That's one of the things that rallying can do. Surely you can throw somebody in like that. I mean, you couldn't do that in a lot of other sports, could you? Couldn't do it in football, couldn't do it in rugby, people would get hurt or killed or left behind or whatever. But here we can, so let's do it. Get me Rossi's number, I'll get him in. Okay, right. Um, Jack Bennion, 
Okay. Um, I'll, I'll pose the same point to you. Um, I like Trev's idea, by the way. That's completely took me in, in, in my mind's gone. My mind's gone to that now thinking that's a no brainer. Why aren't we doing that? But, um, do we need to, aside from Trev's great idea of what we should do with it, do we need to still be trying to do these events to try and lure people in from other sports to watch rallying? Um, I don't know, really. Uh, that's such a long and drawn out topic that you could do four podcasts on that, isn't it, really? Um, yeah, I think, do you want me to answer that or tell you why Three Sisters is called Three Sisters? Um, <laughs> just tell why Three Sisters is called Three Sisters. We definitely need to do both. It's called Three Sisters because um, they used to heavily coal mine in the area and there was three big like mounds where they dug out and they were referred to as Three Sisters and that's why it's called Three Sisters. The things you can learn on this podcast. There you go, hey, you see, hey, you thought yeah. you were coming here for rallying. I, I think um, we should have events like Monza within events. So like what basically like what Mexico do in Guanajuato and, and, and that kind of thing, like making a big deal out of you know, taking uh, taking the rallying into the cities and stuff like that, taking it a bit closer to people. Um, obviously, before COVID happened, obviously, you said we've parked that for this part of the debate. So I'm going to ignore the fact that we don't want loads of people close together and say that we should have lots of fans. Um, so I, I think I think that is still an important thing um, because otherwise it's just going to kind of fade into obscurity, isn't it? So I think it's a good way of... Um, you know, taking the excitement of rallying, um, you know, outside of the forests and outside of the, uh, you know, the stages and stuff like that. And it's it's a good opportunity when you've got little, um, you know, stages like that to slide the cars about. And it looks exciting to people who doesn't who don't really know what's going on. And, um, you know, the cars look exciting. There's big winds going on and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's still important to do stuff. I just don't think, um, I, I don't think Monza should be around of the WRC just based on, stages within the circuit as i said before I, I just don't think that's uh you know the 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 level or the prestige of the the world rally championship if, if it was an off-season non-championship event then that's a bit different but um and not, like not rally legend last weekend really yeah, yeah, rally legend yeah, exactly. ticks that box now there's a reason i've left um ryan to last on this uh because ryan does go and do big skids at event type uh uh, you know, events um, in in you know like Goodwood and, and and things like that. Croft, Croft, obviously with 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 with, with the the famous Jack Bengian alongside him. But right, well, well, to me, um, I, I I just think I'm just tired of the fact that we're trying to still sell rallying to people in 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 that kind of way by 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 using people from from other sports. It. it I, I don't know what it is. It just bugs me. But is the, do these type of events have legs as, as, you know, as, as a savior for, 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 to add an extra event to WRC? Obviously we, we, we talked about that now at length. Does it have any legs as, as a, as a, as a, as a, as I suppose as a place to go for, for, for an event, I suppose? Um, now, like we said, we, we want this year's championship to be remembered for all the right reasons, but it, this year is always going to be remembered for the wrong reasons. And I think uh, this year it would be nice to have some some feel good stories about the championship, something to, something to remember. So so I'm not against the idea of, of having this as a rally, and I, I take on board what Jack says, and I'm not sure that um, 
you know, we should be seeing more world championship rallies like this. But if you have a standalone promotional event, it never gets the same interest. It never gets the same appeal. Um, if, if it's an event where people are fighting for world championship points, all the teams, all the drivers have to be there, then inherently that's, that's going to be raised to a higher level. And, um, I just think this year, uh, it might be an exciting finish to a championship that's happened in a strange year and if we could get some big names from other sports in there and, and just blow the WRC trumpet a bit I'm not sure that's a bad thing okay alright listen I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want a one worder from you all here uh, we had um, Hayden Padden on the other week talking about obviously what he's been developing over in New Zealand and we had a tweet in on the hashtag absolute rally um, this is from James Bowen. Uh, after hearing Hayden Padden on the show a few weeks ago, I'm convinced the only way to keep WRC relevant to manufacturers is to go all electric in the next five years. Skip hybrid altogether. So uh, I'm going to, we've debated this at length so many, many times. So I'm just going to get one word answers. Trev, do we go, do we skip hybrid and go full electric in the next five years? Yes or no? Yes. Uh, John? Yes, but I need the sound. Okay. Uh, Jack? No. Ryan? No, it'll take too long. I've got the cast and vote here, haven't I? By the looks of things. Think about it. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, that's really quite think, threatening, isn't Think carefully about it. Yeah. You're assuming that... And especially with your accent, Trev, to... that sounded quite threatening. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, I'm going to sit completely on the fence and oh, say yes. I really, really... I, 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 I don't think that's topic. possible. What I don't think that's possible. Let's put it that way. No, so, I, that's, I, so that's a no, no then, Tony. That's the word you're looking for. No. That's an hour of my life I'm not getting back. I, yeah. I, I definitely think you won't get the full championship to go electric, but you definitely need a class for electric cars in the next five years. Otherwise, Agreed. you're doomed. Agreed. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Um, a couple of other bits and pieces. Believe it or not, boys, we're getting towards the to the any other business section. Um, a couple of things I feel we need to talk about in all seriousness and just briefly um, the passing of John Campion, Trev. I'll talk to you first on this because you know you, you you've been involved with obviously helping drivers and budgets and things like that. You know, John seemed to put so much into the fact and didn't really want a great deal back. It was very much a given relationship that he had and wanted drivers get on. And you know, I, I read a great article with regards to um, to Craig Breen. Um, you know, the call he put into Craig Breen when he, you know, I think it was for Donny Gall, you know, uh, it was, uh, Donny Gall was quite close to his heart and rang him and said, you know, could we put something on the car? Because that place is really special and he won Donny Gall and he bought the car and shifted straight over to America and put it on display as it was finishing the rally. We don't get a lot of people like this in rallying anywhere in the world, do we? No, and his story is a fascinating story uh, when you think of what how he got his fortune was uh, really long story short he was working as a groupie on tours and then he became a bit of an electrician and there was a, an incident I think it was at a Bowie concert where it wasn't going to go ahead he saw how he could fix it basically did it Bowie thanked him for it and then he realised that there's a need for portable generators at rock concerts I think that's the gist of the story anyway so he built his business and his fortune through that over the years where towards the end he was helping out in relief countries like a Haiti, he was sending generators there, uh, and all of this wealth. Then, at his heart, he was a rally man. His hero from Mill Street in Cork was Billy Coleman, and uh, he got the bug for rallying. And then he decided not just to 
pick any collection, he decided to go down the Lancia route and uh, he had an impressive collection of rally cars based on Lancia's fates and a few other things. Just an incredible character and clearly a huge benefactor over the last five years or so within Ireland. Motorsport Ireland was was backed heavily by him and there's probably a lot going on as well behind the scenes that nobody knew about. Uh, a huge loss uh, to the sport but clearly people like that who uh, who have the passion for the sport uh, need to be remembered and, and his contribution I don't think will ever be forgotten. I, I truly hope not, Ray. Um Again, you know, we, we've all gone through that process of trying to find people to work with and, you know, people to help us with careers and stuff like that. But, you know, to have somebody come along, I suppose, and, and pick up the phone and kind of put the hand up to, to say, right, I, I, well, I want to help. You know, what what can I do? And, of course, he's doing, as Trev just said, there with Motorsport Island, obviously what he, what he did with Craig and Craig credits the fact that he did the Tarmac Championship, you know, on the back of the support he, he then received from him. Yeah, he helped Craig in a difficult time, and and it's often the case that successful drivers in the in the world of rallying have a, a successful backer behind them, and often these these characters are you know they stay they stay in the shadows if you like they they don't take the limelight but but they really help fund a, a driver's career and they wouldn't be in that position without it so um it, it is a great loss and uh, and he certainly put an awful lot into into rallying and you know the the sport will be in debt of characters like this mm. jack um you know when when he was starting to come to the fore i guess i think he was still probably part of uh mn and, and obviously also sport but you know he, he, he wasn't one that you kind of you just it was just one of those names that you kind of heard and we know i think he was probably probably just as famous as trev made reference to there obviously to this fabulous car collection he had uh, over in the states and you know i know um i think pace notes back in the day ran a really interesting feature they went over to see them but he wasn't one of those people that they kind of caught any publicity off the back of what he was doing uh well i tried to give him some publicity but yeah i, I see what you mean um yeah uh, fantastic guy um first got to speak to him in uh, back in july 2016 i went back and had a read of the feature i wrote then actually and uh, that was on the 13th of july in mn and i remember uh, my any other business on the following absolute right podcast was about the feature i'd written uh, shamelessly plugging myself as usual um but john's just a fantastic guy as i think trevor told the story quite well apart from that it's acdc not a bowie concert that he uh, that he had the idea for the thing but i'm not trying to outscore you there trev um but yeah obviously uh such a <laughs> just a astute businessman um you know really really and, and to be honest all of the the businesses that that he actually ran or, or were involved with most of them were, were involved in helping people in in some way shape or form and that was really fitting um but I, i'll never forget his uh, his uh, explanation of um how he got into rallying and it was um describing um his first experience or the or his first memory was in Killarney at Easter obviously like so many uh people on the Emerald Isle people going to watch the the circuit of Ireland and 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 really enjoying the kind of uh seven o'clock in the morning or earlier starts with cars coming into view at dawn and that kind of thing and he described it as uh, uh it's a real hobbit lord of the ring stuff <laughs> and then he and then and then he followed that with around the corner frigging screaming mad in a Lancia Stratos was Billy Coleman <laughs> <laughs> he had uh i think i think john will respect that i think he had a career in uh commentary commentary if he wanted it and uh yeah just such a really passionate guy he knew everything about the cars that he bought you know he wasn't just one of these people who um you know invested their money because 
you know, he knew that the cars were going to uh, become more uh, valuable over the years or anything like that. You know, he knew he knew the designers, he knew the people who built the gearboxes and the suspension and, and the engines. He went over to visit people who'd worked for Lancia, who'd long left and uh, had him, had been involved in in rally programs. So he was a proper fan, and as we've already said, did a lot for for Irish rallying and uh, you know a real uh, a real tragic loss to that side of the pond. Very much so. John, uh, just briefly uh, with yourself, you know, we don't get people like this. I keep on coming back to this. There's there's handfuls of people. And I know there's people probably behind the scenes that probably we don't even know about that do help drivers. Um, but the, the very, very unique characters I find are people that do, do step forward and do help rally drivers because it does feel like such a, a thankless task. Well, we all need people who uh, give rather than take. There's lots of people in life who take rather than uh, give. I never met him. I didn't, didn't know his story. Uh, but his story reminds me of so many other people who I've met throughout my life in the sport, other sports and in you know life in general. And uh, they're the ones you know that will help you up in those moments that you couldn't see coming and that you never expected. And yet they're the ones that kind of lift you up into a different place and help you in your career. Uh, but I would just say on the Bowie ACD thing, it was bound to be ACDC because John, you said, was an electrician. what a nice way to finish gentlemen we go headlong into any other business um we're going to do ryan's first because i know he's had this waiting now for the best part of three weeks ryan champion we've got we've got our exciting kill the wheel competition building to its finale rolling to its finale is it um before that i uh i i set a one-off uh kielder quiz and we we talked to the lovely fabrizia pons a couple of weeks ago and and talked about she became the second person to uh, only the second person at the time to score world championship points both as a driver and a core driver um, and we, we set the challenge and asked the question who was the first John Desborough do you know the answer now not are any of our listeners it turns out well there we are the listeners are clever people if they don't know <laughs> uh, no, I, I remember talking to Keith Oswin about this one once upon a time of, uh, of Alter Sports. So at least he knows the answer. Anyway, the, the first man to ever achieve that was uh, was another Lefebvre, believe it or not, a guy called Jean-Claude Lefebvre, who won the Safari Rally Code Rhyme for Jean-Pierre Nicolas. He was second in the Ivory Coast, the Bandama Rally with Nicolas. He actually dragged a, a Peugeot 104 into the top 10 of uh, the Tour de Course as a driver, with none other than Jean Todd alongside, and he, he took a top six in Safari himself as well. So the first man to achieve it was Jean-Claude Lefebvre. As I said, as I said, research will never catch on this podcast. <laughs> now, that wasn't, Trev, that wasn't research, Ryan. That's just a normal just, day in the life of Ryan's champion. I did just happen to know that one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we had a couple of good answers. And, and the prize for the winner was suitably a Kielder bobble hat. For obvious so, reasons. So, so uh, and we had we got uh, two answers of people who also uh, achieved it. There was a, an Argentinian called uh, Mario Stilo. He achieved it in '84. Uh, Nate Dillon, bobble hat coming to you, and uh, and Rudolf Stoll, Manfred Stoll's father. He also achieved it a little bit later on in '86. Uh, Quinton James, you can have a bobble hat as well. There you go. There you go. Well done, um, Trevor Agnew. Your any other business, please, sir. My any other business is directed at Mr. John Desborough because he is the man that knows everything, inside knowledge, all the background around, are we going to have hybrid or not? Just like, do you think it's going to happen or not? Really simple terms, because there's a lot of stuff not being said. People are scared to speak up. I don't know why, but you tell us. You're the man. 
Well, I'd love to be able to tell you, but I'm going to fudge this one. And uh, if I was on just a minute on Radio 4, I would start my answer and keep going and talk you out of here, Trevor, so I didn't have to give you an answer. But I agree with everything you've said. And I, I, if there's a fence tall enough, I will sit on it. Goodness only knows. But moving on to my any other business, can I just say... <laughs> that's a pro for you right there, Trevor. That's against us. I'll this man on. I just yeah. need to say thank you to Hugh Davis. Hugh Davis, who listened to our podcast, gents, and bought the book that is called Breaking Points. They are the power of publicity works. And Hugh is, who is Hugh Davis? He said he saw Henry T, as he describes him, win the Lombard, as he calls it, in 1980. So I take my cap off to him as well. Is that the only champion? Is that, your sister? <laughs> That's really Ryan Champion. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what? I was with that very car on on uh, Monday. That there car was something. Well, I've never had Ryan Champion down for a hue, but somehow it just works. <laughs> I've had a, I, I know. Do you know what? I've seen him here. He was more uh, a pew or a Barney yeah. McGrew. As you spoke last, Jack Bengen, you or any other business? Well, I watched a bit of Onboard from Riley Legend of Ken Block. Did anyone else watch it? The one that he put on Instagram and uh, I've social not media. Seen it? No. So we have tell as much time as you, Jack. Uh, well, maybe that's it. Maybe I've just got nothing better to do. Um, but it got me thinking about Kenblot just in general because I sat there and watched it. And I've got to admit, um, as you just rightly pointed out, I have too much time on my hands. I've watched a lot of onboard over the years from pro- probably every single era and most of the onboard that exists on YouTube I've probably seen at some point. Um, and it just got me thinking about Kenblot because I think he gets a really harsh rap from quite a lot of people based on the fact that he didn't, um, you know, really achieve uh, the greatest of heights in the WRC. Um, you know, obviously not a, a championship contender regularly when he was competing or, um, you know, necessarily fighting for event wins. But I sat there watching the, the rally legend on board and just the, the, the natural car control is just absolutely phenomenal. And, I had my doubts about that Escort Cosworth when I saw it for the first time because I, I feel like I'm a bit of a, um, what's the word? I, I'm quite traditional about Escort Cosworths. So uh, I was maybe quite disappointed to see that when it first came out. But watching the onboard and what he's able to do with it is just absolutely staggering. And it just it just gives me it gives me personally, and, and this might not happen for everybody else, and I appreciate it. It might just be talking a load of old nonsense. But it gave me a, a lot of appreciation for the talent that Ken Block has because just because he's not gone in there and just because he's not gone in there and won WRC events uh, consistently and, and fought for championships and all that kind of stuff, he's still an incredible talent and it only makes me appreciate the drivers who do win rallies and do fight for championships every week and how good they are because if you sit there and watch that Ken Block on board the, the, the car control and the talent is is really there and it's obviously you know it's a tenth or, or or three tenths or five tenths that that ken's lacking compared to the guys who are fighting in, in the wrc you know rally in rally out and really performing at the the highest level and it, it just uh, it's just a combination of things i felt like it gave me appreciation of ken even though he gets a lot of stick from from some people about what he does and it gave me an appreciation of the guys who win rallies and win championships in the wrc because the well standards Jack so Bingham. high well said well said and, and and it kind of linked to that my end of the business very very quickly before we finish congratulations to Barry McKenna for winning the American Rally Association Championship of course we know Ken does appear on those ones um, I need a very quick one word from you guys because it was sent in to us um, FIA yes Jack can I ask first yes is Barry McKenna the first person to win a rally championship having had an 8 minute penalty on a rally 
there you go there's a question for everybody next week is that the first I feel like Alan Partridge when you do that to me has anybody ever won a rally with an eight minute penalty there you go um, yes. one word yes. Harry, Harry Vatten not a rally it's a championship championship 2005 Trev yeah see, and this is this is where it all goes wrong F- the FIA cart fight uh, one oh, word Trevor yes. one word FIA the cart fighting video that went around uh crazy John shocked John you just did I know yeah. I'm just seeing whether he'll give me another word uh, Jack <laughs> very <laughs> very shocked very shocked right okay uh, Jack Bengen yeah mine's bizarre bizarre Ryan Champion ridiculous I'm gonna finish with a swear word shithouse that's what I'm gonna finish with there you go proper scouse word for you and I can say it because it's my train set as Ryan likes to point out to me gentlemen you are all now allowed to stand down thank you all for your time folks that has been Absolute Rally for this week we will be back same time same place in your podcast hall next week Absolute Rally powered by the Kielder Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week